COVID-19 patients need your help. If you fully recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have the antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients recover. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit vitalant.org today to schedule an appointment to donate blood. That's V-I-T-A-L-A-N-T dot Help save lives and schedule your appointment at vitalant.org. You could help save lives. A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online so any small business can make a change. We need a new generation of thinking. Your way of thinking. Start different at GoDaddy.com. This is an ode to Napa Cabbage. Of all the cabbages on all the cabbage farms, only you have the crisp crunch worthy of our Bibigo Korean dumplings. No other cabbage would do, because no other cabbage tastes like you. We love you, Napa Cabbage. Just don't tell Green Onion. Napa Cabbage, one of many obsessively crafted ingredients in every hearty, flavorful Korean dumpling from Bibigo. Go handcrafted. Go Bibigo. Authentic Korean dumplings now in the freezer aisle. On this edition of Confessions of a Marketer, we're talking GDPR. Hey, whose data is it anyway? Hi, Mark Reed Edwards. Welcome to episode 25 of Confessions of a Marketer. We've made it to a quarter century. Can you believe that? I'll get right into today's subject. GDPR is taking effect on May 25th. Are you ready? Are you saying, what the heck is GDPR? Either way, you need to listen to my next guest, the CEO of Wonderman Data, Jacques von Niekerk. Of course, Wonderman trailblazed direct marketing in the late 1950s and has been at the forefront of marketing ever since. Wonderman Data expands the agency's vision for delivering a comprehensive global data and analytics offering. If you're dealing with data, you need to understand GDPR, and I got to tell you, there is no one in the world of marketing and data better equipped than Jacques to explain it all. Prior to running Wonderman Data, he was a founder of Acceleration, which Wonderman acquired, and he has worked in media and for film studios developing marketing strategies. We recorded a couple of hours ago, and I enjoyed the interview so much, I wanted to get it in your ears as soon as possible. So let's get to that chat. Jacques Van Niekerk, welcome to Confessions of a Marketer. Thank you very much, Mark. It's uh, good to be here, and I feel like there's a lot to confess today. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that may be part of the legislation. I don't know. I haven't read it that closely. Well, it's a big topic, right? GDPR is on the immediate horizon. Can you tell me what it is exactly and what the impact will be on marketers? So I think as a data person, when you ask what is GDPR, I think the first thing I would say to you is it's um, it's 99 articles and 88 pages. So to give you some data, that's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I step back from 88 pages of legislation, it is the most comprehensive privacy uh, legislation that we've, I think, ever seen. And I don't think there's anything nefarious by it. I actually think the intentions of this is really good. Now, Will there be some unintended consequences? Uh, sure, but I, I do think more than anything, this is about a cultural change. If you just think about what's the zeitgeist of what's going on in the world, given all the data breaches and the data hacks that we've had, and given everything that's happened most recently with Facebook and Cambridge Analytica, and you know everything from 
Brexit in the UK to the most recent US elections. You know, there's so much focus on how data gets used that I think in the context of that, the timing of this legislation is probably as appropriate as it could be. And the cultural change for me is this is about trying to protect the rights of the individual. And I think as people in the marketing and data industry, it's a little bit of a change in the balance of power. Um, But I don't think that that's a bad thing per se. Right, right. So it's about protecting personal data and you know, marketers, especially looking at the long history of a firm like Wonderman, you know, have relied on this kind of data for decades. Yeah. So no. how do you think how do you think marketers should adjust? Well, I think, <laughs> you know, just taking the legacy of, of Wonderman and and data, uh, Lester Wonderman himself actually went on record and said most people would be surprised if they found out how little data we really have to use to be effective. Right. Right. And I think that philosophy is still very much alive within Wonderman. It's, you know, it's not the person with the most data is not always the winner, right? And data is is both science and an art, and, and it's absolutely about the application of it. So we think um, that this legislation will basically just make sure that our clients, and most of our clients are very uh, focused on their data, which is why they ultimately turn to a company like Wonderman. Sure. But they would just take the the governance, the ethics, the standards of how they manage their first party data, their own customer data. They're all already and will continue just to take it up a notch. But I I believe that those that really take it up a notch will be the, the people who would eventually win anyway. So we've been saying a little bit, you know, to almost put it in a mathematical equation, if you say privacy by design, which is really what GDPR is um, aiming at, mm-hmm. plus customer experience design equals best practice, right? No longer can you think about the one without the other. And those that get best practice on it will get the business growth around it. I could probably even say the equation is privacy by design plus customer experience design equals business growth. Um, and I think, yes, you know, data portability is a big part of this. Uh, people being, you know, making subject access requests to their data seems scary at the face of it. But if you are really on top of your first party data and a customer comes to you and says, please tell me what data you have on file, you should be able to provide that. W- what is wrong in doing that? Because if you can't provide it in that way, then why are you holding it in the first place? Mm. You know, so I think there's a lot of ways to think about it. But if you really think about it as best practice and looking after your customer's best interest, you will probably get that value exchange between yourself and the customer right as a brand or as a marketer. And as long as there's a proper value exchange, people will willingly share their first party data with you. But if that value exchange gets misused or is not clear, I think that's when things might fall apart for the average brand marketer. Right. So what what are the risks for a company that finds itself out of compliance? Well, um, there's a there's a, a minimum and a maximum fine. The minimum fine is 10 million euros or 2% of global turnover. The maximum fines, so if you find to have a major uh, non-compliant position on GDPR is uh, up to a minimum of 20 million euros or the greater of your 4% of global turnover. You know, so that's pretty big, right? So if you're a a billion dollar business with a billion dollar turnover, 4% on billion dollars is what's that, $40 million? That is not an immaterial fine. And, you know, many of our clients are all well above the 1 billion in global turnover. So, 
you know, if you can think about some of the largest Fortune 500 companies, this is a fine with, with real teeth behind it. Nobody wants to be on the other side of justifying a couple of hundred million dollars in fees and fines for non-compliance. And, and, and non-compliance around something that's very important, your own customer data, right? If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalit.org today. So I'm a marketer and I always try to think on the bright side of things. So do you think there's an opportunity for marketers to use GDPR as a positive because they'll you know, be creating more transparency and they'll be respecting their users and it will be kind of codified? More than anything, and I think that's exactly the way that marketers need to think about this. This is a wonderful opportunity to not only get your own senior management and your own board and all your colleagues in your organization and your entire value chain, your suppliers, your vendors, your partners, behind you to make sure that they are, no, it's not just about governance and compliance, it's about best practice and standards. And a lot of the work we're doing for clients is saying, okay, what is the use case for using this data? How's it really going to ex- improve the customer experience and drive your bottom line growth, you know, or drive your top line growth, whatever the use cases we're trying to do. And I think the smart marketers are completely on top of this. And, and people know that you know, gone are the days where you're trying to monetize your customers' data. If you can't monetize, you know, your relationship with your customers out of your core service or your core product, you have a bit of a problem. You know, I think, you know, 20 years ago, it was pretty cool to say, well, I happen to have this extra data on all my customers. Who can I sell that to? Right. Right. Uh, I think those days are over. And I think a lot of the digital disruptors that we see out there, you know, the people that are kind of defining the category now, you know, the the Netflixes of this world, the Amazons, um, you know, the Googles, the Ubers, you know, dare I say Facebook. But these (laughs) these companies have always from the get go taken how they use data very seriously and they've designed their whole company around customer data. Um, I think that the the risk for marketers is, yes, you can do more with your first party data, but you can use GDPR as a reason to take data hygiene has to come standard, right? And how you append and augment your data, um, you'll have to be a lot more innovative about it. But if you can't solve for that, and if you don't have a strong first party data, the risk is you're going to become dependent on the walled gardens, the Amazons, the Facebooks, or if you're in a place like Asia, you know, Alibaba or Tencent. They're going to basically curate your customers for you unless you're really on top of your first party data. So for me, in a way, what I'm trying to say, Mark, it's less about compliance. It's more about really using the fact that there's compliance and a huge emphasis on this in the industry as an opportunity to say, hey, my customer data is actually one of the most important strategic assets that we have as a company. Mm. And as a marketer, I've got to use that asset to drive growth. How do I do that so that I'm not dependent on other people in the value chain? So I think that's an opportunity. And, And in a way, if you think about it, what GDPR is allowing somebody not just only to say, hey, Tell me what data do you have and hold on me, but I now no longer want you to hold that data so they can ask for the right to be forgotten. Not only for the right to be forgotten, they can also ask for, for you to actually provide them with the data and they can take that data file and they can take it to a competitor, right? 
Um, that's unbelievably, in theory, that's very empowering for a customer. So the customer now, uh, that's why I'm saying the balance of power has shifted a bit. And I think the smart marketers are realizing, in a way, you're only the steward of a customer's first-party data. As long as you can add value through your services and products, you've got a right of stewardship over that data. The moment you are not adding value, you've lost your right of stewardship over that data. So I kind of joke, you know, quote Drew Carey, you know, the great (laughs) comedian. You know, whose line is it anyway? Right. The way I, I speak to marketers about it is saying, well, whose data is it anyway? Is right. it really yours or is the customer's? Well, the, the answer is it's both. But as long as there's a value exchange, right? And the moment there's no longer a value exchange, then it defaults to being the customer's data. Yeah. So you may have answered this in what you just described, but what advice did you give your clients? And I guess what advice would you give your clients to get them through this tough period leading up to GDPR and in the wake of GDPR? Yeah. Yes, obviously, I mean, as a marketing services company, we can't give them any legal advice and we can't tell them how to be compliant. But we're definitely helping them with strategies around thinking around everything from their data models right through to their day-to-day entity diagrams. You know, how are you gonna capture data? How are you gonna manage the data? Which technologies are we using? Uh, What governance models are you putting behind it? What's the operating model of how the data flows and get used? So we we go quite narrow and quite deep at some levels. And at other levels, we we would look more at almost those kind of zero moments of truth where there could maybe be a failure of where data is not as secure as it could be. You You know, are we using cookies or third-party data sources that might expose us where we don't have unambiguous consent. How do we solve for that? So it can go quite deep into almost strategy, and then it can also become very tactical at the same time. You know, I think the the, the core thing for me in helping clients get prepared literally just comes back down to if a, if a customer has bad data, it's like it's that story of uh, garbage in, garbage out. Mm-hmm. So if your first party data or your CRM file or your loyalty program, whatever you want to call it, if the data inside that environment is not of a high quality, your business is going to suffer, your customers are going to suffer. We really don't need compliance to tell us that. <laughs> right? Right, right. And in a way, if you really look after that first party data, so with the way the data is captured, the way that data is maintained and optimized, you would be absolutely fine. It's companies who've who've never really taken their first party customer data serious, I think have a have a bigger hill to climb. So we, we have categories, and to be honest with you, we have categories of clients for whom this is brand new. You know, a lot of clients in consumer packaged goods as an example. You know, they've never had They've never really had to grapple with this issue. Hmm. They've always been dependent on, you know, more broad-based brand advertising. And, you know, there's always been an opportunity cost for them to hold data because they're selling lots of things at a, at a lower cost. You know, so if you're a cosmetics company or if you're a food company, you know, what, what's the benefit of holding, holding that data? So they've never really invested in it. But they're now seeing a lot of almost this kind of data subscription model category stealing a march on them. You know, think about Dollar Shave Club, you know, in the shaving category, how that's kind of disrupted somebody like Gillette. Or if you think about brands like Nespresso, you know, it's a subscription model of capsules to your home or your office, you know, your coffee in a pod with a nice machine. 
You know, there are other categories now of subscription services, companies like Blue Apron and Plated and HelloFresh. You subscribe to them and you get your food curated and delivered. They are building up a strong understanding of their customers and the data and the and the usage of food and moments and occasions. So if you're just making rice, for example, <laughs> and you're just trying to sell it in your normal way, you're in a little bit of a disadvantage about understanding your customers the way that these subscription-based um, companies are. So in a way, I think what GDPR is doing, it's, it's taking certain categories and it's amplifying the need for them to do a lot of marketing and data transformation to stay relevant. So the reason I go into that world, Mark, is what I'm at pains to try and highlight is this is not just about compliance. This is really about how you choose to compete using first-party data as a competitive tool for your own growth. Right. This is a refreshing point of view on GDPR because all we hear about is compliance and what happens if you don't comply. And actually taking a look through the lens that you're applying to it is very useful, I think, for marketers. Exactly. Exactly. So when we wake up in 10 days on May 26th and GDPR is in full force, how will the world be different? Um, I think the world will be different in that uh, we'll see a continuation of the activities that have been building up over the last six months. Uh, and it's been longer than the last six months, but I think the whole world have said, all right, this is the year of GDPR. So, you know, good regulation ultimately wants industries and companies to start self-regulating. So we're seeing already a lot of our clients' privacy teams, their compliance teams, checking their model contracts, are we right, thinking about how they manage consent and permission, thinking about their privacy policies. So there's already a lot of activity. It's just not necessarily in the public eye, but there's a lot of activity. And I think as a, as a data practitioner, it's so heartening to see because it means companies are taking this seriously. They're investing in it. They're taking time to understand it. And I think when we get to the 26th of May, we're just going to see a continuation of that because those that have been a little bit slow, <laughs> slow off the mark, once they see one or two of the first people being prosecuted, and, and no doubt they are going to choose one or two companies to make an example of, I, I have no doubt that that's what will happen. I think more will happen. So... In a way, I don't think things will be radically different, but I think we will see more positive momentum behind something that is, frankly, long overdue in a way. Um, and we're even seeing in the United States, you know, in California, there's talk of legislation in this direction. Everything that's happened with Facebook means there's a lot of changes. So I think we will just see more and more of an awakening around the importance of privacy and the rights of, of individuals as it relates to their own data you know in a way we're putting privacy back into personal data and i think that's what you'll see happening post the 26th of may or post the 25th of may when we wake up on the morning of the 26th of may well it will be interesting to watch that's for sure jacques it's been great having you here on confessions of a marketer thanks for joining me thank you so much mark We want to thank Jacques for being here. It's a big topic, and Jacques will be back in a few months to look back at how GDPR is working. Look forward to that. Next week, Professor Bob McCullough on the next generation of marketers, so stay tuned. This episode of Confessions of a Marketer was written, produced, and edited by yours truly. T. Jordan of A-Class Productions wrote the theme music. 
Confessions of a Marketer is a trademark of Reed Edwards Global Inc. And this episode is copyright 2018. I'm Mark Reed Edwards. See you next time. You've never tried to eyeball six feet as often as you do now. You wear a mask, you wash your hands, and you've stayed within the walls of your apartment for more hours than you care to add up. But unless you live in a smoke-free building, you're not exactly home free. Secondhand smoke drifting through the cracks in walls or sink drains carries toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. And right now, lung health is key. Go to tobaccofreeca.com to learn how to stay safe.